Welcome, witches and friends, to episode four of Confessions of a Broom Closet Witch. My name is Monica. Thank you so much for joining me. I thought that uh, for this week, I would do something a little more personal. I've been doing the last three episodes were about a, a little bit about my personal life, but some more tips and tricks for other broom closet witches. And I think for this episode, I kind of want to talk about my personal spiritual journey. Now, witchcraft can be spiritual or it can be secular. It is not connected to religion per se. Now, there are some religions where witchcraft is essential, Wicca, so on and so forth. But for most people, you can separate the religion from the craft. And that's perfectly okay. It doesn't make you any less of a witch. It doesn't make you any less of a spiritual person if you are one. And it doesn't make you any less of a person if you're not spiritual. That's perfectly okay. Your personal preference. If you're not so much into the spiritual aspect and you don't want to listen to this episode, that is perfectly okay. I have no problem with that. If you're going to skip it, you're not going to offend me. You're not going to hurt my feelings. Different people want different things in their lives. And I respect those of you who do not want to talk about the spiritual that that's not necessarily your thing. Completely understandable. I am an inclusive person. I want this to be an inclusive podcast. And I promise I will get more into witchcraft in general. But I do want to talk about my personal journey as well. Because that's the whole point of why I started this show. So without further ado, I used to be Catholic. I made the conversion on August 1st of last year to become pagan. And that was my personal decision. I think that is the big thing about it. It was a decision that I made. My father is Catholic. His father was Catholic. That whole side of my family is Catholic. My mom's side is more Protestant and Baptist. And on that side, she has relatives she doesn't really talk to because they don't see things the way she does. They're not as tolerant. I do have a cousin on that side of the family who's basically been, I don't know, she's the black sheep of the family because she is lesbian and she has a female significant other. So she has basically been removed from that part of the family to an extent kind of thing. I don't know how she's doing now. I haven't heard anything from her in a while. And usually those updates go back and forth between mom only because I was never really close to her. As far as I know through my dad's side of the family and my family in general, I am the only person who is LGBT. As I've said in a few episodes before, I am bisexual and I am a female presenting gender fluid person. I do not change my pronouns. My pronouns are she, her, because it's just kind of easier for me. I've never changed my name or thought of changing my name. I don't think that's really a necessary thing. I am comfortable with my name to an extent. It is the name given to me by the woman who birthed me, which that's a whole complicated can of worms, but it is what it is. I've come to terms with my name being what it is. I was born into the Catholic faith, essentially. Like I said, my father was Catholic. Um, For a while, he was studying to be a priest, and that was before I was even born. So 
of course, had he continued down that path, I wouldn't exist and this podcast wouldn't exist as well. But uh, he made a change and here I am. <laughs> um, as part of all of that, I did go through the normal channels of raising a Catholic child. We did PRE, which is um, religious education. I don't know what the P stands for. I couldn't tell you, but uh, it's basically Sunday school. And you are taught the different sacraments. You have your first confession, you have your first communion, um, and you eventually, when you get into what is equivalently ninth grade, you're basically 14, 15 years old, you go through confirmation, which is where you go in front of the church and say that you are going to be Catholic for all the days of your life, essentially. <laughs> it is nerve-wracking and somewhat it makes you question a lot of things it is definitely that kind of thing that makes you question a lot of things especially if you are raised in a small southern town because being catholic is basically the equivalent of being green being the color green because most Churches in the South are Protestant in nature, Baptist, uh, Methodist, Southern Baptist, which is entirely different. It's a whole different thing. I promise you. It's weird. There's also uh, United Methodists, Pentecostal. It, it gets into this wide split of varieties. And then, of course, there is usually at least one non-denominal denominational, excuse me, one non-denominational church in your more moderate sized towns. We have one of those. Um, a former friend of mine actually went to church there and the local Jewish kids actually went to church there as well because they didn't want to go to any of the, the um, Protestant churches. So, and I honestly can't blame them. The church that they all went to, ten, they, it, basically promoted itself as open for everybody, casual service, serious faith kind of thing. You could wear jeans and a t-shirt and you were perfectly okay. Although I pretty much always wore jeans and a t-shirt to church. Um, even on Sundays, it was my nicest t-shirt, but it was still a t-shirt. <laughs> and growing up, you were basically put in the sense of the good Christian slash Catholic child. You were taught that certain things were sin, and if you didn't repent, you were going to hell, and things like that. They don't really get into teaching tolerance to homosexuals or anybody on the LGBT spectrum. Sometimes it's a spectrum, sometimes it's not. And they never really did that, especially with the younger kids, because, oh my gosh, the poor children, they'll be corrupted. It was very much pearl clutching. And... My mom was definitely not that kind of person. <laughs> when I was eight years old, she was friends with a plethora of people. Back then, it was only L and G, lesbian and gay. Uh, we hadn't really become aware of bisexuals and trans people. And at the time, trans was just listed as transsexual. Transgender wasn't fully acknowledged. And mostly you understood transsexual as being the drag queens. And 
If I'm offending anybody with the words that I'm saying, I apologize. And by all means, let me know, send me questions, comments, or concerns on my Instagram or my Twitter. I am that nerdy by which, just in case. I don't want to hurt anybody by anything that I'm saying. But basically, that's what it was back in the 90s and growing up in the 90s. And my mom, when I was eight years old, was very much an open-minded person. And I remember meeting drag queens for the very first time at eight and thinking they're fabulous. They were definitely the stereotypical drag queens that you would think. They were very sassy. Now, I'm when I met them, they were never in drag. They were always out of drag. But that's just because, you know, being eight years old, you're not allowed to go to drag shows. So I never saw them in full makeup and dress, but I did meet them basically quote unquote behind the scenes at their home kind of thing because my mom went to go meet some friends and she happened to take me and my sister with her. And they were very fabulous, opinionated, outspoken, had no problems, just talking their mind. And I don't remember them, but I do remember it was two of them, a white man and a black man. And I remember thinking, this is really kind of cool. The one time I messed up was, I don't know, I didn't meet it as a rude thing, but we had a couple of our mom's friends come over and we were talking with some of our friends and I made a comment, very hushed tones about the two friends that had come over of my mom's being lesbians. And I do remember getting a talk about it later that what I had said was rude and there was no need to be hush-hush about it, that it was okay to be just normal conversation about it. And I was also told that it was not my business to discuss that kind of thing because it was their personal business to tell, not mine. So since that point, I've kind of adapted a mental thought process of where other people are concerned, their business is not mine to tell. So in those situations and just about any situation, I have learned to be better at keeping secrets or not gossiping, things like that. And none of this had anything to do with religion, but my mom wanted us to be open-minded. We weren't very sheltered. Um, Ah, that was the first time I, I, the drag queens were the first people to ever teach me inadvertently how to flip somebody off and give them the finger. They did it very classily. They did it in a way that they thought we wouldn't figure out. We ended up eventually figuring out very fast where you hold up the three fingers on one hand and say, read between the lines where they're supposed to guess that, oh, you're flipping me off and basically saying, fuck you. <laughs> so that that was one of the things I learned. <laughs> I didn't understand it until I was about 10 or 12, but there you have it. Um, although I was no saint as a child, I did start swearing at a very early age at about six or seven. Uh, that was not due to my mom. That was, of course, it probably, in fact, due to the birth giver. I, I refuse to acknowledge them any further beyond that. Any connections that I had growing up, and this was something that I had to actually sit down and think back on, connections in regards to God, Jesus, religion, spirituality. The moments where I thought I was the most spiritual 
I've come to terms with the realization that it was all peer pressure stuff. It was going to Young Life in the mornings. We only did it a few times, but the middle school had Young Life meetings. And there was always some fun game with a religious undertone. Something about Jesus wants you to wait and God loves his innocent children. Things like that. And using religion as a way to talk about dating and drugs and things like that. And the thing is, is for as much as we went through where drugs were concerned, I have never once been offered drugs in my life. I have never been offered weed, any kind of methamphetamines, anything like that. The The hardest thing I've ever taken that has to be like Tylenol or something or I don't know. I've never had major surgery or my wisdom teeth removed, which is kind of sad because I'm in my 30s, but I digress. You know, I've never had that kind of exposure to those things, but you know, you go through dare in sixth grade and it's like you expect kids to be pushing drugs on you left and right or something. It was stupid, really, if you think about it. But um, yeah, a, and a lot of the youth organizations, especially in small southern towns, tend to be focused on good, clean, Christian fun. And you get this weird sense that there is this overwhelming oppression from the religion that basically you have to be careful of anything you say or do because it could be wrong in the eyes of God. The biggest time this ever hit me was in middle school. In middle school, in about seventh, eighth grade, about the equivalent of 12 to 14 years old. For those of you that aren't of Amer American nationality or you're not an American citizen or whatever, you're outside the U.S. And that's when I did the Young Life morning meetings or even or after school groups and what have you. And that was when it really started to hit the most. And I think that could be part of the depression catalyst because I do deal with undiagnosed depression that really manifested heavily in middle school. I think that could be one of the factors of it because I've always been curious in other things. I've always had a natural curiosity for myths and legends and stories. Uh, when my sister and I were younger, we had, we did like all little girls do. We played those witchy games kind of things, pretend to be witches. We would harvest wild onion out of the lawns around our house because we lived in a, a little neighborhood at the time. We live in the country now. And we would gather them all together and grab a stick and sticker bushes, sticker balls. What we call sticker balls or gumballs. They would fall from one of the trees. I couldn't tell you what tree. But it is a little prickly ball. And we would throw it all together in an area. And we would pretend like we're making a cauldron or some kind of pot of potion kind of thing. And just play like that. And in middle school... I wasn't really so much into the potion aspect, but I found myself extremely drawn to astrology and figuring out my charts and all of that kind of thing. I had a friend 
who would bring an astrology guidebook to school. And I would sit in class in, or in the mornings or whatever. And I just page through it and look through it. And that's when I started to learn different things like different astrological signs are connected to different parts of the body. And it's really interesting to learn about these things. And you go start at the top of the crown with Aries and you go all the way down to the ankles with Aquarius on the feet for Pisces and the rest of the signs just fall in to these 12 different regions and all these other things. I got a manga called Zodiac PI that I only got the first issue of. I've been meaning to look up for the second one because I'm still intrigued in the series, but I wanted it partly because I wanted to learn about astrology and I thought that would help me in some way. But I also got it partly because I wanted to learn how to draw in that style. And my drawing tends to lean that way still. And I'm working on it. I'm getting better. But again, I digress. During those middle school things and all of this and finding myself drawn in this other direction. <laughs> pardon my updating laptop. That, that was louder than it should have been. Um, <laughs> but during all of that there began to be this heavy push towards hanging out with friends at these different church events. I went on a hayride in high school that ended up being church-based. There was this, basically a lot of the things geared towards young people started to be heavily church-based. And while I was in middle school, we got a visit from this youth group from somewhere farther south, Mississippi, Alabama, Georgia, one of those states. And this guy that my sister and I used to know from swim team was a member of it. And they did all these sketches and stuff, kind of an assembly thing. And there was a lot of humor and stuff in it. And it was meant to be fun and engaging. And they said, if you enjoyed this, come to the high school at this time tonight and we're going to do a whole thing like this. We're going to do a whole show for you. And so my sister, my friends and I all talked about it and we ended up deciding to go and we ended up talking to our parents about it when we got home. And the reason my sister and I kind of wanted to go was because this was somebody that we knew who was a part of this group. He even walked past us and said hi to us as we were getting ready to leave the auditorium, which was really cool. And of course he said the whole spiel about how he, he thought it was really cool that we, we saw him and saying hi, and that he hoped to see us at this event at the high school. And my parents were kind of questioning it at first. And then we told them, you know, it's a church thing. It's kind of a, a religious group thing. And we'll be there with our friends. It's, it, it wouldn't be a problem. And they hesitantly said, okay. I didn't know why they were so hesitant about it until now that I think back on it and I realized what the situation ended up being. So it was mainly geared toward teens, basically 13 and to 18 to come to this thing. And it was basically a lot of people from the middle school. And because we went to the middle school, there was also a lot of people from the county school as well because they did a little skit for them. And of course, any of the students from the high school that wanted to attend. 
And we get there and we sit in the auditorium and we watch. And it's all these funny sketches and stuff at first. And then it turns serious and it gets into this whole thing about basically being a quote unquote stereotypically normal teenager is turning your back on God and Jesus loves you and you're hurting him by doing these things, by being angry with your parents, by disrespecting your teachers and things like that. And then of course, there was this other sketch that ended up getting, ended up uh, making an appearance at the county fair. Some other group did it too, but you know, it still ended up showing up at the county fair. And it basically suggested that anybody who is the fun time person, they're only that way because they're actually depressed and they're on drugs. Which, now that I think about it more and more, doesn't make any sense whatsoever. You can be a depressed person or want to have fun and not have drugs be any part of it whatsoever. So... It made no sense to me. It basically puts drinking in a bad light and and basically teen drinking in a bad light, which teen drinking is not a good thing anyway, but it very heavily focused on the idea that you are wearing this mask because you're a sinner, essentially. It was very much a Christian uh, thing. And, the, and of course, it pushed that the only answer was Jesus. And... Basically, at the end of all this, in this auditorium, they offered the chance for us to come backstage and talk with people and we'll help you begin the path to getting to know Jesus better and getting to know God better. And I thought at the time that this was a great idea. They had done these emotional skits right at the end to hype up everybody's emotion. Basically, what essentially happened was very heavy Christian propaganda. And unbeknownst to me and my sister, my sister did not go back, but I did. And unbeknownst to us, what they did was when they had all of us in the auditorium and in the school, they locked the doors to the school. And would not let any of the parents enter into the auditorium, into the cafeteria area behind the auditorium, which is where we all ended up. And during the time where we all ended up, we're filling out forms and talking to them about our faith. I remember the girl that I was talking to. She handed me this really cool handmade bracelet that said faith on it. It was little blocks. And basically the whole point was to help you to remember to fully put yourself into the hands of God. You know, your whole life is give your life to God and Jesus and everything will fall in place kind of thing. And I thought it was cool. And she basically went over this form, getting my name and my information, asking me what my religion was. Ask, and when I told her that she was Catholic, she goes, huh. And turns out basically what they had wanted was to have these kids become born again Christians, where you go through another baptism and you become saved. And she's like, well, I know they don't really do being saved in the Catholic church. So you'll have, so you probably have to get like a cleansing or something with holy water. Like, Catholic wasn't good enough. 
And of course, the entire time after the at, my dad is there just before the end of the show to pick us up and they won't let him in the building because the doors are locked. Well, we're talking to the children so you, and I didn't realize it at the time, but it was very oppressive situation and it was very much a semi kind of hostage thing to basically force children to accept God. And it's mind boggling. It, it really is mind boggling when you think about it because there are people who believe that Christians are oppressed, but yet they can get away with something like this, locking children in an auditorium and forcing them to give information that we have been trained by our parents not to give to strangers. Like, come on, what are you thinking? This is not kosher by any means. This is not a good thing. So I've always had problems with that aspect of Christianity. And of course, I've talked about this earlier, the kind of things that occurred during my confirmation class, where the teacher essentially told us anyone who is not accepted Jesus as Lord and Savior is basically going to hell. So that never sat well with me either, because there's all these different religions and faiths and they're at the time, I didn't know, but there are still people who follow the older religions and faiths, the polytheistic religions and so on and so forth. Paganism, of course, that it, it may, never made any sense to me. And then, of course, I, I, I have been saying that phrase a lot. The big kicker of growing up Catholic is the level of guilt. We are taught that Thinking is as bad as doing, and you have to confess even your thoughts to the priest. And my big kicker on that was, if I can pray to God directly, why can't God forgive me directly? Why do I have to go through a priest? That one never sat well. And thinking something to me never really registered fully as equivalent to doing. But in the Catholic faith, it is true. Thinking about suicide is as bad as committing the act itself. And therefore, you, unless you repent and go through a priest and confess and do penance, you are guilty of suicide, essentially. And that is a crime that you can be sent to hell for because it is a sin against the body that God gave you. There is, there is so much guilt laid into doing things, anything, especially the things that are essentially just basic human nature, animal kind of nature. You know, having sex is seen as sinful. And some Christian churches will preach that going more than just holding hands with a boyfriend is sinful. Or whatever you're saying. Having a significant other that is not your opposite gender is sinful. So on and so forth. You cannot just comfortably be. And in all of that, I've always felt like in any attempt that I've prayed, I'd always felt that God wasn't listening and didn't care. Or he had bigger things to worry about than me. People all over the world. Because we're always taught to pray for the less fortunate. Those who are sick and starving or 
or war-torn countries, people who are severely less fortunate than you because God needs to take care of them. But then you're taught, ask and you shall receive. And it's just basically like, okay, what's the plan here? Do, do we ask God for the things we want or do we pray for those less fortunate and help those less fortunate? Because there's huge guilt laden with not doing for the less fortunate. It, even if you're not able to in the position you're in. So just a whole bunch of guilt attached not just to the Christian religion, but to the Catholic religion as well. And I could never really connect on my own to that faith. I always found it very, very hard to do. And I went into a lot of questions about it over the last couple of years. And I've always had the thought process and the feeling that, you know, there's all these religions, they can't all be wrong there's a possibility they could all be right. We don't know. No one's come back to tell us. So I, and my sister who she calls herself agnostic and that's perfectly fine. And if you don't know what agnostic means, it basically means that you believe there's a higher power. You're just not sure what it is. But for me, I, I do believe there is higher power. I do believe that all religions that exist could possibly be true. And I hope that the equivalent of heaven or nirvana or Valhalla, what have you, that you believe in exists because what you believe is going to be different from what I believe. And that doesn't make you wrong. That doesn't make you sinful. We don't know what's out in the universe. We don't know what the afterlife holds. So why call one or the other a sin? Why have this belief so strongly, so staunchly that everybody else is wrong but you? It doesn't make sense to me. And that's when I really got into questioning everything, especially over the last couple of years, watching my grandmother become even more sick un until she, of course, passed away this past year. And all of that questioning, I did do praying. I did reach out into the universe and praying for the Christian God. I never got that connection. I never felt connected. And I think faith and spirituality should be something you connect to. It was not until that August night that I had that vision of Freya as I was falling asleep that I actually finally felt connected to a faith and found myself looking up the information found myself wanting to know more and honestly it's it's been interesting and it's been eye-opening and I feel stronger in my sense of faith now than I ever did when I was Catholic because I understand the way the the goddesses and gods work the pagan faiths are not we will do it for you or ask and it shall be given it is do for yourself and you shall become stronger we'll assist you but you've got to do for yourself and that for me rings more true than anything and there are some people that say that that sounds kind of sad but honestly i prefer this truth 
because it feels like the truth to me and it feels a lot better than sending some prayer out into the ether hoping that a god that I don't have any connection to is going to answer it in some way or another and being told well god's not going to talk to you he's going to answer it indirectly whereas for me freya has actually talked to me has actually reached out to me i have had conversations with athena yes it is in meditation and yes i do question you know am i making this up or not but it feels to me like i am actually having these conversations with freya and with athena and that i do have this connection to them because of it. All right, I am rambling a little long. This has gotten into a heavy episode, and I think next week I'll go a little more into um, the kind of conversations that I have with Freya and Athena. It's been a while since I've talked to them. I do need to get back into my meditations and such and so on and so forth. Um, I hope you've enjoyed this episode. Thank you for listening this far. I usually try to keep it shorter than this, but... It just happened to be one of those things that I talk about because the thought process just started rolling and everything just started coming out. And I think it was something that I definitely needed to kind of vent about a little bit. Thank you so much for listening. Ooh, that's a lot. <laughs> I hope you have a wonderful time of day it is wherever you're at. I will see you all next week. Blessed be. Blessed be.